if you guys could, could you just stay standing with me for a second? Um, I just really want to take this moment and honor um, just people who have parented me through the years. I have my natural parents here, my spiritual parents, and, and those who've really taken me in and adopted me as their, as their child. And so I just want to say thank you to my mom and dad. They're right here. And my, um, my stepmom and dad. And um, also Pastor Laura and Pastor Eugene and Pastor Glenn and Natalie. Um, they have really just led the way. They showed me how to live a life of integrity and generosity, and they've taught me how to love God and people. And so I just wanted to give them a hand for just for just loving me and encouraging me in my walk. You guys can have a seat. Thank you so much. I also want to just thank you guys. As being a being City Church, my life has completely changed by being a part of this church. And what I love the most about our church is that you guys are very authentic. I mean, every time we walk into a group together, we're face to face. I mean, people are just real. And I just want to thank you for allowing God to do that in you and to just being open. And I learned that, that we are just real people and we um, deal with real things. And I thank you for just being authentic. And also, I just want to give a shout out to the men and women, young and old, who have just not look down on me because I was female or I was young, um, but they've gave me a space to grow. And so thank you for just being you. You guys are awesome. So usually, if you've seen my face before, I'm usually in the front um, greeting everyone, or you've seen me on the big screen, um, and or you've gotten a random text message from me saying, thank you so much for being a part of City Church, or coming and visiting City Church. And so if you're a first-time guest, I just want to say thank you for being here. Um, you are our special guest, and we just want to thank you for being here. Um, so this is usually the part in every single person's message when they're a communicator where they usually show you a picture of their family and you, we all like look at the screen and we're like, oh, so cute, their little kids and their husband or their wife or whatever. Um, but I'm single. So um, how many of you guys are single in the room? Okay, so also if you are not married, so like if there's no ring, it ain't a thing. So put your hand up if you're single. <laughs> okay, so... A lot of you guys can relate with me then on this moment, and you guys could probably relate with the fact that married people sometimes unintentionally make us feel bad, right, for being single. So they might say things like, singleness is a gift, and you're like looking at them like, can I return it? Like, is there like a gift receipt or something? Or they say, oh, don't worry, honey, you're going to meet someone. It'll be great. And then they tell you like their love story, which is always fantastic, but like, it's not about you in that moment, right? It's, it's about the single person. Or they say, like, they're at a wedding, and they're like, oh, you'll be next. And I'm like, where? Where's the boy? You know? So how many of you can relate with, with that, right? Like, married people can sometimes do that. And so I thought it would be fun if we just make the married people feel bad a little bit today. Right? So um, <laughs> we're going to do a little picture comparison. Um, so this is probably married people on a Friday night. You guys can pull up that picture. That looks bad. Like, I don't know what the kids are doing. There's like six kids. Like, what is this? There's like kids everywhere. And then this is probably like, this is us. Young, healthy, happy, no problems. We just, we look good. We look good. Okay. Second picture, y'all at nap time. That's, that's a bad nap. 
Um, and then us at nap time. We got, the, we got the time to set up a hammock, palm trees, you know, that's just nice. Third, your view while traveling. Yikes. And then lastly, our view, free. We get to do whatever we want. It's awesome. So if you are with me today, can you turn your Bibles to Genesis 50? Thanks for laughing. That was helpful to me. <laughs> um, so Genesis is the first book of the Bible. And over the last month, our church has been reading the last, uh, or the last story in the book of Genesis, and it's the story of Joseph. And so we are going to come to Genesis 50. It's the last chapter. And in this moment, we, fi- we find Joseph weeping. And he's on top of his father, Jacob, because he had just passed. And so he's weeping, his passing, he is grieving, his heart is so broken. And um, in the story, we read that Joseph's brothers show up back on the scene and they are just distraught because they're thinking that Joseph's true character is about to show up. You know, we've, we've read his story, Joseph's brothers did some messed up things to him. And so we're thinking that Joseph's brothers are just in panic. They're in, they're freaking out. They're saying, oh, Joseph's character, he's gonna, he's come, he's gonna come get us. He's gonna seek revenge on us. And so they send word to Joseph and they say, Jacob's dying wish. So our dad's dying wish was that you would forgive us. Jacob never said that, um, just in case you didn't know. Um, so they, they get, even pan- get even more panicked. And so they say, we will be your slaves if you please just, just forgive us. We'll be your slaves. Please don't do anything to us. And then we find ourselves in Genesis 50, verses 20 through 21. It says, but Joseph replied, do not be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I can save the lives of many people. I entitled this message, Just Keep Swimming. (laughs) So I want to just pray over you guys right now. God, I just thank you so much that we are united because of you that you died on the cross over 2,000 years ago for our lives to save us. God, and now we can stand under one roof as united brothers and sisters. God, and so I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just use me, you would help me to communicate, and that you would just prepare all of our hearts to just receive from you, whatever that looks like. And just invite the Holy Spirit, just speak to you today. God, speak to us. We want to hear from you. And we just want to leave changed and inspired and ready to take on a Monday. In Jesus' name, amen. So life is hard, right? Like how many of you would agree with that life is hard? Um, So I don't know about you, but I have this kind of like love-hate relationship with like the hard things in life. So like part of me is, is just doesn't like it, right? Like conflict, no. You know, or I know there's going to be a tough conversation to have. I totally avoid it. I procrastinate. If I know it's going to be a long paper, totally just, you know, I just want to avoid it. But then there's this other part of me that's like, if it's a challenge, see the change of words, hard, challenge. If it's a challenge, I just want to, like, do it. Like, I'm all in. If it's risk, if there's adventure, I'm just down. And so um, a couple months ago, I went to visit my sister in Colorado. And so on, as I was researching things to do in Colorado Springs, I saw that there was this hike called the Manitou Incline. And so I was like, 
okay, that sounds cool. I'm going to do it. So I was telling my sister, when I go visit you, I'm going to go do this hike. And she said, you can't do that. That's too hard. Like, it's, you're crazy. Like, you're going to get altitude poisoning. And when I got there, all the Colorado people would look like their jaws would drop when I tell them I was going to do this hike. But I was like, I'm going to be okay. I'm, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to do this. Um, so there's, there's just really two aspects of my personality. One that's down for adventure, and then there's one that's just absolutely, like, terrified of everything. Um, and so on that morning, I got up, and my sister said, I'm not going to go with you. So I, I got up by myself. I'm waking up. And then I just start getting nervous. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, like, what am I doing? Um, so I do what anyone would do is I got on Google. And I started researching this incline, and then it starts telling you all these things. And it says, like, if you get injured, it takes three to four hours for, you know, police or firefighters or whatever to come get you. <laughs> Why am I doing this again? Um, so then I started watching YouTube videos and, you know, watching all these vloggers and them talk about, like, the hike and all the things that they did. So I was like, okay, like, I started feeling a little better. I kind of see what the hike looks like. So I get in my car. I'm like, I'm already doing this. I'm already up. Let's go. I get in the car, drive 20 minutes out. You have to take a shuttle bus to get there. I get on the shuttle bus. I look like the newbie, right? So all the other people, they got light shoes on. They got no backpack. I packed, like, I got all the snacks. I got water. I got everything. I am ready to go. <laughs> and so we get off the... You get off the, um, the shuttle bus, and then we walk. We start walking all together toward the hike, and um, I approach this sign, and it, if you guys can put that up for me. And so it says it's 2,000 feet elevation gain, so that's, but it's actually like 6,000 feet above sea level because Colorado is already high. So we are in Florida. We are at sea level. I'm going up. So then it says 2,768 steps. How many of you guys have done the Stairmaster? Five minutes? Like, you're already dead. So 2,768 steps. And then record time was 16 minutes. Um, but then it says, days since last injury. I don't know if you can see that. It says a few minutes ago. <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> what am I doing? Okay. But then if you keep going, it says, plan on two to three hours. It took me, like, four. Um, but and then it says, you can do this and do it for the shirt. So I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm doing it for the shirt. So I started going up the hike. 10 steps in, I'm good. 20 steps in, I'm good. 40 steps in, looking good. 80 steps, <gasps> like I cannot breathe. Like the air, like I don't know if you guys done this before, but the oxygen just like, sh like it just takes you out. Like it, you just can't breathe. So I thought of like two things while I was taking all these steps. Um, I, I thought about this random guy at the gym. I was at the gym one day and this guy was like, he was going hard. And um, he was like, come on, buddy, you can do this. You got this out loud, like to himself. And <laughs> so I thought about him and I was like, if he could do it, like I could do it. And then I thought about this movie that I saw as a kid, which the first time I saw it, I saw it in Spanish, which is fun. And it was Finding Nemo. And I thought about Dory. And so if you guys can roll that clip for me, you guys can sing it with me if you want. Hey, Mr. Grumpy Gills. When life gets you down, you know what you got to do? I don't want to know what you got to do. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim. Dory, no singing. Oh, 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 oh I love to swim. Dory. When you want to swim, you want See, to See, I'm going to get stuck on. now with that song. Now it's in my head. Sorry. You guys like that? I don't know about you, we're all, I feel like we're all faced with moments like these, right? We're, 
We're trying to go this, you know, this way in life. We're trying to go upward, um, but we're like on 20th step or the 80th step, and there's 2,000 more steps to go. And maybe it feels like, you know, you're writing your 10th paper in college and like graduation just seems so far or you're trying to get out of debt and you're just like on the second budget sheet, you know, you're like trying to do this thing. Or maybe um, you're starting to start a startup and your company just isn't getting off the floor um, and you're trying to get it, you know, to keep going. Or maybe you're going to counseling every week and you're just wondering like, is this even going to work? Is this even going to help me out? Um, or you find yourself in another argument with your spouse or your significant other or a family member and you want to go up but you just keep having these challenges or you're just bored or things just keep happening in your life. And I feel like we all have these moments. We want success and maybe we've already gained some success but or maybe we just haven't even at all um, but we want to keep moving forward. And so over the last month, we've been looking at Joseph's life and Joseph's life was pretty hard. He went through some things and he had to take steps in order to get to where he got to. And so for those of you who need a recap and weren't here, I thought it would be fun to do that and to go over his life again. And so Joseph, his life starts in the book of Genesis in chapter 37. And so when we meet Joseph, we find out he's a part of a dysfunctional family. He is 17 years old. He's kind of cocky. Um, he has a bunch of brothers. And he, um, he, he's a tattletale, which makes him not likable. And um, he ends up telling his brothers that he has these dreams. And so I don't know why you would tell someone that you hate your awesome dream, but Joseph was a little cocky. So he shares his dream, and um, his brothers get so mad that they decide that they want to kill him. Um, but instead of killing him, what do they do? Do you guys remember? Slavery, they sold him into slavery. Awesome. Do you guys remember who they sold him to? Potiphar. That's right. So Potiphar was head of security in, um, in Egypt, in Pharaoh's home, which was the king of Egypt at the time. And it says again in the scriptures that the Lord was with Joseph. And so Potiphar, his boss, he kind of noticed this. He saw that something was special about Joseph. And so he gave him promotion. He gave him position in his house. And so he gave him control of everything. And so Joseph trusted him so much that he was like, okay, you can run my whole house. You can do everything. Um, but the one thing he didn't give him was his wife, obviously. Um, so the scriptures say, or, sorry, there was a time, yeah, the scriptures say that Joseph was handsome and well-built. And so I'm thinking he probably looked like one of these guys. <laughs> Obviously, that's a problem. So Potiphar's wife took a liking to him. You can take that off. Thank you. It's, it's going to be distracting um, to our people. <laughs> so Potiphar's wife kind of noticed this, right? She noticed he was attractive. He was, he was handsome and good-looking. And so... He, she continuously pursued him and was asking, sleep with me, sleep with me, sleep with me. But we all know that Joseph, what did he do? He ran. He fleed. Um, he knew it was good for him. So he ran away. And so, but Potiphar's wife, she was smart and cunning. She kept his coat and she um, accused him of rape. And so Potiphar put him in prison and even then in the scriptures, it says in Genesis 39, 23, 21, but while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So in prison, he also 
was found favor, and he was in charge of all of the prisoner, prisoners. He was successful there. He was given responsibility. And in prison, he met these two guys. Who, do you guys remember who the two guys are? Baker and a cupbearer, right? And so he met these guys. These guys started having dreams. And so they were trying to figure out what do they mean. They shared them with Joseph, and Joseph felt like he had this gift of being able to interpret them. So Joseph interpreted the dreams. One of them was favorable for one of them. The other one, not so much. So one of them got to be, um, got restored his, his position. And Joseph said, don't forget me when, you, you, when your dream comes true, when this dream comes to light. But he forgot him, right? So how long, do you guys remember how long it took before he actually remembered him? Two years. That's crazy. So two years, the cupbearer finally remembers Joseph. And um, it's because Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is having these reoccurring dreams. And so Pharaoh is trying to figure out these dreams. He's, trying, he's calling on all these types of people to try to figure it out. Um, but Joseph, but the, you know, he remembered Joseph. And so they brought up Joseph. Joseph was able to interpret the dream because of God's power. And then Joseph was given responsibility and position again. But this time it was over all of Egypt. And he worked side by side with Pharaoh. And so the dreams actually came true. The dreams that Pharaoh had, they were seven, it was seven years of abundance and seven years of famine. And in the two years coming into the famine, that's when Joseph's brothers show up back on the scene and they are asking for food. And this is when the dream actually takes place where they bow down to Joseph. The dream that he had at 17 years old becomes reality when he's 30 something. And, um, and that's when they bow down to Joseph. And Joseph reveals to him in Genesis, reveals to them in Genesis 45 that he is, their, he is their brother. And so I feel like taking from the whole story of Joseph, we can learn three things about God. And I think that this is what God is speaking to us today, that he is present. The first thing I just want to share with you is that he is present. Over and over in the scriptures, we are reminded that the Lord was with Joseph, not only in times when he was succeeding, but also in times when he was hurting and in pain and abandoned and sold into slavery and in prison. And I believe that God wants to remind you that right in the middle of your current situation, that he is with you. He is close. The king of the universe, the champion of the world, your father is with you and he is close. It says in Matthew 28, 20, or 28, 20, yes. And never forget that I am with you every day, even to the completion of this age. God is with you. And I feel like the second thing God wants to tell us today is that he is good. I think many of us fall so easily into the trap when troubles come or when things happen that God is good, is not good, or that he's paying us back for something that we did or he's evil or, you know, but he is good and he is kind and he loves you and he wants the best for you. And he's not a God that, that you know, trips you up just to see and laugh. Like he doesn't do that. He's a good God. And, and the third thing is that God is providential. And so the word providence means occurring at a favorable, a favorable time involving defined foresight and intervention. God, God knows exactly what you have faced and he knows exactly what you're currently facing and he knows what you're going to be facing. And he is in all of it. He's working behind the scenes on your behalf. He loves you, he's good and he has good plans for you. And it says in Psalms 145, 14 through 17, the Lord upholds all of those of his own who fall and raises them up for all those who are bowed down. 
the eyes of all to look to you in hopeful expectation, and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is unwaveringly righteous in all his ways and gracious and kind in all his works. He is good. I believe that Joseph understood these things. He understood that God was good. He understood that God um, was present and that he was providential. And that's why he didn't just win the war on the outside. He won the war on the inside. And knowing that God is present and good and has a plan is what kept Joseph going. I believe is what kept him going. And I think we all want that. Don't we? But sometimes we, we have like these things that can maybe keep, keep us from achieving that next thing um, or taking up that next step or, or you know, come, going up the incline of life, right? And maybe it's cynicism. Like we totally just don't believe that there's good. Like there's no good on the other side. Things are, you know, life just stinks. All people are bad. Nothing's good is going to come out of this. We're just cynical. Like l- life has just robbed us of joy. The second thing is shame. Like we know we should, but we keep not doing it. And then we feel bad and we feel this remorse and we feel this guilt. And that keeps us from going forward. Or maybe it's unforgiveness and anger and something happened and you just can't let it go. Like the pain, you just can't get over it. Or maybe it's isolation or loneliness. Like no, no one's gonna do this with me, so why even bother to continue? Or maybe it's depression, you just has lost, lost complete hope. Or maybe it's just boredom and monotony. You're doing the same thing over and over again, lack of purpose, and you just forgot why you're here. But I believe that God wants to remind you today that wherever you're at, he is with you and that he loves you and that he's going to help you overcome it. And I believe there are three things that Joseph did and that we can do through this life to help us move forward and continue to do what God's called us to do. And I believe the first one is that we need to trust God Joseph trusted God through all of his pain. I think we need to believe that we need to trust who he says he is. If he's showing us in the scriptures that he is good, that he is present and providential, we need to believe that. And that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. But I believe that in order to do that, we need to surrender to him. And I think a good question to ask God is, God, what aspect of your character are you trying to teach me? I know that you're present. I know that Somehow I'm supposed to trust you, but just help me. Help me to do that. The second thing I think Joseph did is that he trusted the process. And I think we need to trust the process. It's a journey. It's a great adventure. It shapes us to be more and more like Christ. And so I think a good question to ask is, who do you want me to become? And the third thing I think Joseph did is that he just kept swimming. (laughs) and so just keep swimming we need to just keep swimming at the end of the day it's not about us it's about what God wants to do through us and his goal is that many would be saved and that he's going to use us to do that and that means anything and I think the last question that we could ask God is God what are you preparing me for and so I want to share this scripture in Hebrews 12 verses 1 through 4 got it up thank you it says you see what this means all these pioneers who blaze the way all these veterans cheering us on it means we better get on with it strip down start running and never quit no extra spiritual fat 
no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That, that exhilarating finish line, in and with God, he put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through, that will shoot adrenaline in your souls. In this all-out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you. To say nothing of what Jesus went through, all that bloodshed. So in Colorado, when I was up on the Monitude Incline, thinking about Dory and thinking about the random guy at the gym, um, I, it was really hard. I mean, my legs are hurting, my back is hurting, and I don't know if you've ever done something physically challenging, like any race or anything like that, but your mind just goes in so many different places. Like, you just want to stop, you just want to quit. And um, I just invited God into that moment with me, and I was just praying and asking God to just really help me get through this hike because was, I was, you know, 2,000 more steps to go. And I just felt like in that moment that God just reminded me that like the hard things in life, we can do this together. And I feel like God brought me today to say that, that he is with you and that he wants to do the hard things with you and that you can invite him in. He wants to walk with you through this. And so on that day, I kept putting just one foot in front of the other. I just kept swimming. And I believe that God wants you to do the same. Just keep swimming. So God, I just thank you so much for this time. God, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to speak to your church. God, and I just ask that you would bless them, that they would leave encouraged and inspired in moments of hard times and moments of pain, when they're thinking about life and not wanting to go further, or maybe the pain is just too hard or whatever hard thing they're facing, God, I pray that they would remember that you are good, that you are present and that you are working on their behalf. God, I pray that you would help them to trust you. God, that you would help them to trust the process and that you would help them to just keep moving forward in their walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen.